The following podcast is read by me, Colm Hogan, writer and director of Matatu Express, a documentary about young people's lives in one of the world's largest slums in Kibera, Nairobi. For more information on the film, please visit www.matatuexpress.com. Background music is a track called Tiger Hoods by DJ Scratch. I am staying on the other side of Westlands in Nairobi, so the drive to Kibera is a long one. Nairobi has lots of traffic, a lot more than I remember from being here five or six years ago. Roads are generally very narrow, winding, and uneven. There are frequent bumper-to-bumper traffic jams. Almost everyone is trying to cut someone off, but amazingly, no one seems to lose their temper. Traffic police stand at roundabout sections, waving traffic through red lights, trying vainly to keep the cars moving. When you finally arrive to the road that runs parallel to Kibera, You see a giant field about the size of a football field, where it's kind of an open market. People sell all kinds of wares on tables and blankets. As you pass this field, you run into tiny stalls built into the sides of slum buildings, selling everything you can imagine. Phone cards, dried fish, beer, charcoal, shoes, clothes, local cinemas with chalkboards outside advertising the next football match between AC Milan and Man United. There is even a tiny cyber cafe where people can log on and check their email. On the other side, there are walls covered in graffiti. Many of it with the post-election violence theme include words like, Keep peace, fellow Kenyans. But you are really struck with the level of commerce that happens here. Everything you can imagine is, is for sale. And it's busy. Hordes of people walking up and down on the sides of the roads, cramming into already full matatus. People on motorbikes whizzing in between cars. Bicyclists trying to negotiate the traffic. Simply put, there is a frenzy of activity. We pick up my, my guide Peter on this street and park the car in a safe zone. Safety is of real importance in Kibera. About a week before I got here, there was a train crash, and when the local media came to cover the event, they came under fire from rocks and other projectiles from locals. Reportedly, the Nairobi police force will not enter Kibera, so it is self-protected by its own shadowy protection force, which we have decided to forego. To maintain a low profile for security reasons, which is admittedly a hard thing to do when you're the only Mzungo or white person for miles, I keep my camera gear stowed till we reach the next safe zone. We get out of the car and leave my driver and proceed into Kipira by foot. The road is dusty and covered by that red African dirt you see in movies. On either side of the road, more businesses, people selling fruit, vegetables, anything. Every 200 meters or so, there is a system of bulletproof security lights built after the post-election violence that most Kibirans are very reluctant to talk about. Any children I see, and there are lots of them, some in school uniforms, some just wearing rags, cry out when they see me, How are you? How are you? How are you? In sing-song voices over and over again, trying to earn some shillings. Then the road narrows and we are in the residential side. The ground also changes. It becomes really narrow, starts a steep downhill decline and becomes really uneven and wet, muddy. In the center is, well, there's no nice way to put it. It's a river of sewage. Not a high, fast-moving river, but it's there. And you know it's there, and you try to avoid it by walking on either side. 
At some points you have to stop and jump from side to side and aim precisely for a dry rock because the alternative would be pretty messy. The smell of charcoal is in the air from people kicking their food outside, but sometimes all you can smell is human waste and garbage. But you can also hear really beautiful singing from people in one of the many churches or from battery-powered radios. At some parts of the road, there is bits of garbage everywhere, and the smell is horrendous. Then you make a turn, and it isn't so bad. There are so many turns, it really is a labyrinth. It would be very easy to get lost in. The road is just about three feet wide, and homes are so close together. We arrive at somebody's home. Inside, it's about five feet wide by six feet. There is a bed on the side. At the end, there is a small table with some pots and a large jug, which you would use to fill water up with, presumably. At the other side, there is a table with two chairs. There is a tap outside with water, which makes this an exceptional piece of real estate in Kibera, where access to water for many is difficult. And there is a communal outhouse around the, around the side, which is handy, too. When you see all this, you are struck with the resilience and brilliance of Kibirans and the human spirit. The ability to, to survive in one of the most hostile and tough-going environments. I interviewed two different young people from Kibera today that told me they would not want to live anywhere else. It's been my fourth trip to Kibera, and I can almost understand why. There is an energy and a vibrancy here and a sense of community that I haven't experienced anywhere else. It is almost addictive. You get a rush of adrenaline in these parts where there is so much activity and life within such a small space. That's what I will take away from this experience in making this film. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to drop me a line, you can do so by emailing me at calm at metatuexpress.com.